So, I don't know how I'm feeling about all the names I got for this one. What names did you get? I'm thinking either Dead Mouse Projectors plus Bjork, <laughs> or Dirty Mouse, or Dirty Mouse Projectors plus Bjork. And Dirt. of course, the S in Projectors is a five. <laughs> um, I like Dirty Mouse plus Projectors uh, and Bjork. Okay, I think that's what I'm feeling too. <laughs> yeah. All right, welcome, hello, and I, I messed that up. Hello and welcome <laughs> to the 20th episode of Shuffle. Please make sure you listen to the five songs that we will be discussing in this week's episode. Links to Spotify and YouTube playlists can be found in this episode's description. And as you might have already guessed, we are joined by our favorite video game podcasting host guest, John Miller for the second I'm, time. Welcome. I'm back. I'm back to ruin another episode of the Five Huffle. He's bringing it down. I am sounding a little bit better than I did last time, though. I'm not. I'm not as sick as I was last time. So, yeah, yeah. This is J- healthy John's first episode, healthy and John. overall John's second episode. Yeah, yeah. No, no other Johns on the on on, on Shuffle so far. No. You I'm the got only John. You're the only one. You're, it, this is a one John town. <laughs> this this podcast is small enough for one John. There's only one. Oh, there can only be one. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Highlander, but this with the name John. So do you have to kill every other John you meet? No, no. As long as they don't try to be on a uh, shuffle. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess this is a warning to all the other Johns <laughs> out there. Don't you dare try to be on this podcast. Otherwise, yeah. you will probably be murdered by me. By that guy and my fists his fists of john fists of justice johnstis <laughs> sounds like jaundice jaundice yeah <laughs> which would bring totally. you back to unhealthy john yeah you don't want that all right so it has been seven episodes since our last icp incident. holy i don't know if i ever asked you about this i i, I don't really know where i'm going with this but just what did what does ICP mean to you? What do you know about them? What are your feeling towards the Insane Clown Posse? What do you know um, about them? Okay, so, so the first time you did not definitely did not ask me that, so I guess it's time for me to get my ICP feelings yeah. uh, on, on record. Lay, okay? it, lay it down. This is a shuffle exclusive. You will hear this nowhere else. Um, I'm uh, pretty ambivalent towards the ICP people. I, I don't really... Like I'm kind of neutral. Like I, I understand where they are, and I get I, I kind of find them uh, kind of very entertaining to listen to. Like not listen to, but hear about. Hear about, yeah. Yeah, like I like to hear their antics. I don't like. I'm not a fan of their music. I won't be going whoop whoop anytime soon, except for just then and there. Um, but no, it's uh, yeah. I'm just not a. I'm 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 cool with what they're doing. They're a cool tight knit group. But um, I'm just—I'm not gonna ask to build a wall around them. So you're feeling—you're feeling. Oh goddamn it! <laughs> um, so your feelings towards them are kind of like Jim Crow laws, like separate but equal. Like you do your thing, I do my thing. Yeah, as long as like, like yeah, like I'll do my thing, and they can definitely do their own thing. As long as you don't drink out of the same drinking fountain. As long as I don't drink any Fago soda. Or for our Wisconsin fans, from the same bubbler. 
<laughs> the Fago bubbler. <laughs> the Fago bubbler. Oh my gosh. I, I really hope that like sometime like down the line like ICP will become like like there'll be like ICP schools and it's like instead of um uh, instead of uh, bubblers, there'll just be Fago soda, soda drinking fountains. Oh, that'll be just like the Idiocracy movie by Mike Judge. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, remember they all the drinking fountains have Gatorade because it has <laughs> electrolytes. It's what your body yeah. craves. <laughs> That's actually a really underappreciated movie. It's in my opinion. extremely underappreciated movie. And it's and with the current state of America right now, I can see that heading towards that. Yeah, <laughs> we might be heading towards Idiocracy. Yeah. But at least America will be great again. Yep. And we'll have a big old wall. Oh, shit. Why do so, you bring up politics? I'm sorry for bringing up politics. No, no, it's okay. It's something that exists, and yeah. it's it's happening all around us. How have you been, Jared? Uh, good. Busy, oh, but good. Yeah. Okay. How have I you can, been, I John? I respect that. Since oh, I've last, since Shuffle's last seen you. Heard um, you. When was I on last? Was that episode nine? Uh, something like that. It was back. I mean, this was back in like December or January. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, so like, there's been a whole bunch of shuffle episodes. Uh, December. Uh, I got a new job. Um, I moved. Um, yeah. I'm not in front of you right now. Um, I'm actually the first long distance shuffle guest. Yeah. I can't see his face at all. Yeah, he, we just he, gotta wing this. His face could be painted like a juggler right now, and I wouldn't even know. Yeah, I could just be totally lying to you <laughs> about my ICP ways. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. What would uh, what would uh, what would your uh, ICP name be? Oh shit! You know, I never thought we have one for Dominic, but we never came up with one yeah. for me. You need one for yourself, cause you, DJ Dami Jugs needs a, a cohort. Fuck. No, I'm on, you'll have I'm to on think the of spot. That. You have to think of that. That's your homework assignment. Okay. That's not. I. I need to work. I'll stay up. I will. I will promise you this. I will not sleep until I have a juggalo name. <laughs> okay. There's probably like a uh, like a um, like a calculator for that on the internet. Like, what's your <laughs> yeah. what's your, your underwear ICP color name? plus yeah. the past fast food thing you ate? <laughs> so then I would be. Blue Taco Jones or something. Dang. Blue Taco Jones. Yep. <laughs> there. <laughs> what would mine be? Name. Mine would be Black. What was my last fast food? A potato salad? <laughs> black potato salad. <laughs> black potato salad. Or just Black Tater. Black Tater? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I can be wrong with that black one. Black Tater. Black Tater. Sounds like a lot like Dictator, but just black. Oh. There, this is fun. For all of you people out there, send us your, your insane clown posse names. The, the color base, of your underwear yeah. plus the last piece of fast food you ate. Oh, well, if it was the last piece of fast food I ate, it would probably be Chipotle. Black Chipotle. Black Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to add like a third thing to that. Like like in the last thing you drank or something, or like the last like the last time you saw like a good sunset. Like so you would have like a good <laughs> date in there. Like, so Black Chipotle... A week ago? A week ago, <laughs> or, like, Black Chipotle, March 31st, 2016, or something. I don't know. Black Monday Chipotle. <laughs> Black Monday Chipotle. <laughs> it's It would ever change, though, every time you saw a new sunset. That's a good true. sunset. It would be so, a constantly evolving name. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I kind of like that. <laughs> Me too. Every so everyone send us your insane clown posse names. Now speaking of insane clown posse, if you were ever like, man, I'd like to learn more about them, but I really want to read while I do it. You are in luck <laughs> because there is finally a book about them. Uh, Steve Miller, who famously wrote Detroit Rock City, just released his newest book, Juggalo, Insane Clown Posse and the World They Made, uh, this past July 12th. It is being described as a vivid journey into the heart of a misunderstood subculture. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's they interview Violent Jane Shaggy. They interview a bunch of Juggalo fans and kind of give a little history on their background and their philosophies and yeah. Jared, hmm. all I need to know is, can I buy this off of Amazon.com? I was actually my next bullet point in my notes <laughs> is I was going to say it is available on Amazon.com in paperback <laughs> and Kindle versions. Oh, and how do I easily get to Amazon.com, Jared? Well, it's funny you should ask because you could kind of do the kill two birds with one stone thing if you wanted to somehow support this podcast without it affecting the prices of anything that you buy and shop on Amazon.com at the same time. You can simply go to the page for this episode, and at the top there will be a link to Amazon.com, and you click on it, and from there you just shop as normal. In fact, I could specifically link to this Insane Clown Posse book if you wanted to buy it and support Shuffle at the same time. Wowee, what a deal. Golly. Golly, Golly G. Willikers. So yeah, Amazon.com, Insane Clown Posse, what's there to hate? What's Nothing. there not to love? That, that's the title of the book? <laughs> yeah, what's there not to love? <laughs> what's there not to love? Okay. Yeah. And um, in other Insane Clown Posse news, uh, they recently played their first show in Canada in over 16 years. Whoa. Did they get, like, banished from Canada or something? Well, so Canada has laws where any American who is a convicted criminal is not allowed into Canada for a certain period of time just to try to keep criminals out of their borders. Okay. I, I... I don't know a ton about this law. I don't know the specifics, but something related to the crimes that they committed made it so they couldn't go there until just recently. Now they're doing a tour of Canada, and they actually their first show they played there just happened to be on Canada Day. And uh, Noisy, which is a online music journalist place, uh, did a video interview with them and talked about their criminal records. The fact that Juggalos are considered gangs in America, and they talked a lot about the third member of Insane Clown Posse, Fago Soda. <laughs> so yeah, I'll post that video on the website. You can check it out if you want. But yeah, there. I thought okay. So the last time I was on, you said that that uh, the Insane Clown Posse, the Juggalos, were not part of a gang anymore. And they said like that, yes. that it got changed. Legally, they are no longer considered a gang, but that's not stopping them from being like profiled still okay like they just can't be under the guise of you're a gang now they just have to be more clever and creative about it i guess hashtag juggalo lives matter <laughs> that is i'm true. sorry I, okay, yeah. no 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 that was great <laughs> hashtag away hashtag 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 
Alright, let's move away from the ICP News Corner and let's open up to the next chapter of the Shkrelik Saga. Oh my gosh, this guy. Yeah, how do you, what, what are your thoughts and feelings on Martin Shkreli? Okay, this guy, there, he has, he, okay, so I have this running thing with the person with the most punchable face. And um, he's right now tied with Ted Cruz for the top spot. Oh, shit. Because that I, is one punchable face Teddy Cruz has. Yeah, and Martin Shkreli has a really punchable face, too. Like, the last time I heard of him in the news, like, uh, he was, like, trying to um, trying to buy out a whole bunch of, like, like, really expensive Magic the Gathering cards. Yeah, the Black Lotus cards. Yeah, he was trying to buy all of them. And then, so, like, and, like so that kind of, like, caused, like, the Magic the Gathering community on Reddit to, like, freak out. But, like, I don't know. It's like, this guy is a good scumbag, but... The heel of the universe. Yeah, he's a he's a wrestling heel. So, they he finally, finally has a court date for the criminal charges that are being alleged against him. Uh, he's currently facing eight criminal counts, two of which are security fraud and various conspiracy charges for allegedly. Deceiving investors about his disastrous financial performance as a hedge fund portfolio manager, though sadly the court date is not for a year from now, June 26, 2017, giving him plenty of time to collect all the magic cards he can, collect <laughs> all the rare hip hop albums he can, and become an MMA fighter, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I forgot he wants to be an MMA fighter. Yep, this year at the Octagon, he's making his debut. Can they get like, the shit kicked out of him? Isn't like like okay so okay so do you know who uh, Andy Kaufman is? Yeah, like, like the comedian performer. Yeah, the comedian. Yeah, guy. Like, yeah. Like he was like he wanted to be a wrestling heel too, but he'd only like, fight women. Yeah, he would only fight women, and like like I can like he, I don't know like maybe like this Screlly guy is like all an act, but like a horrible horrible like, act. The longest of long cons. Yeah, like I think he's just. He has to be a troll. Oh, he's de there's definitely he has trolling tendencies. But yeah. the sad thing is, is like most internet trolls, the extent of their trolling will be like a photoshopped photo or a DOS attack on a website. Yeah. This guy has enough money to actually do shit. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's yeah. like it's a troll with no limits. <laughs> I just hope they lock him up and ne he never sees the light of day again. I really hope so, too. Although, though. he'll probably just go to a high-end security prison and yeah, he'll just live like on an island for the rest of his days. Cakewalk jail time, but yeah. then he won't be able to collect all the Black Lotus cards and destroy them all except for four. <laughs> Screw the rules, I have money. Fucker. He's, yeah, he is Seto Kaiba. He's he is. The he, Kaiba. he literally is. He's the Seto Kaiba of, of magic cards and hip-hop al albums, and he's a, he's a douche. He wants to collect rare things and then destroy them to deny other people from them. <laughs> although, although Jared, I have, to, I have to fix that for you. Um, with the magic cards, I can see that with... You, you can have four in your deck, but if you're going with the Yu-Gi-Oh analogy, you would just have to have only have three. <laughs> That's true. Let me, Good okay. points. I Thank know you. people were probably really upset about that. Like our, our hardcore Yu-Gi-Oh fan base is raging for a second there. Yeah, rage was, against the rage machine. against the shuffle machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's see. 
Well, this isn't exactly Wing Hunt news. We Ooh. do have a bit of Paul McCart news. Take it away, John. Okay, so I was thinking what I should bring to the news corner, and I know like Paul McCartney likes to come up on here a lot. Uh, and uh, so I found this new, uh, new story from Rolling Stone. Uh, that the Paul McCartney letter to Prince sells for $14,000 at an auction. Um, apparently, Paul McCartney uh, wrote to Prince back in... Uh, nine, what day was it? It doesn't have a date. Uh, but I do believe it was around 1996. I was going to say it's probably in the 80s or 90s. Yeah, I think it was early... Uh, like in the mid-90s. Um, but uh, here is the... Okay, this letter sold for $14,000... Uh, and here, I'm going to read you. I'm going to do. I'm going to do a dramatic reading of this letter to you. All right, one second here. <laughs> Dear princely person, hi there. I know how hard it is to always be getting letters that ask for some favor or another. So it was not easy for me to accept the job of lead patron for a performing arts school to be located in my hometown, Liverpool. But you guessed it. I did agree to do it, so now I'm writing to friends and all good people to try and interest them in the scheme. The story started just after the inner city riots in Liverpool a few years ago. A friend suggested that what the city needs is a fame school. I liked the idea as a possible, pos a possible positive focus for local and overseas kids, but it was only later that when I went back to my own old school that it was in ruins that I thought by locating a performing arts center there, we could save the 1825 building in the process. So, dot, 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 phew. <laughs> Few is in brackets here. We are now well on our way as the enclosed info shows, but there's still a lot to be done. Now the hard part. A donation from you would be a great boost to the project, and I know your involvement in some way would be a thrill for everyone concerned. Hope you don't mind me writing this. It's so long since I've written letters I feel like I'm back at school myself. Anyway, one of these days you'll have to come and teach a class some moves. Who knows, it may turn out to be something special for thousands of future kids. Thanks for looking at this. Cheers and love, Paul McCartney. Oh, Paul, if only the $14,000 used to buy that letter could have gone towards your school. Yeah, yeah I don't think, uh, yeah, he, I don't think he, uh, Prince ever uh, donated. It doesn't say if he ever did or not. I can't imagine he did. Prince is kind of like a leave me the fuck alone kind of guy. Like, yeah. There's just endless stories of like people trying to connect with him and him just being like, nah, that ain't me. <laughs> nah. Nah. Although the um, the infamous uh, Chappelle show skit with Prince and the one-on-one -on -one in basketball, that actually did happen. Oh, yes, the Charlie Murphy story. Yeah. Charlie Murphy story, yeah. God, that's a great story. That's one of the best skits, too. So. The, the, two, the two Charlie Murphy stories, the one with him and the one with Nile Rodgers. I thought you... Are you thinking of uh, um, Rick James? I meant Rick James. Why yeah. Say, yeah, I meant Rick James. Now Rogers <laughs> is still alive and yeah. played on the most recent Daft Punk album. <laughs> I did definitely meant Rick James, <laughs> bitch. Bitch. Okay. Why you hit me like that, darkness? <laughs> Doc. Yeah, that's uh, the oh. Chappelle show. Well, thank you for bringing McCart to our listeners' ears yet again. There's got to be some semblance of a regular shuffle yeah. episode. Even though Dominic hates Paul McCartney now. 
Eh. Screw Dominic. <laughs> yeah. Screw you, Dominic. <laughs> Fucker. He probably won't even listen to this, so... He might. And mm. if he is, I hope he knows he's a fucker. <laughs> All right. Wow. Let's... I bring out the worst in you. <laughs> oh, it's just Dominic. He doesn't yeah. have feelings. <laughs> oh. Let's move on to the music news. 72-year-old Mick Jagger is going to be a dad yet again. The 72-year-old rock legend recently announced that Lucky Baby number 8 is on his way with his 29-year-old American ballerina girlfriend, Malini Hamrick. Wow. Jagger already has seven other children with five different women, the eldest being 45 years old, almost double the age of his 29-year-old girlfriend. Who also has, and he also has five grandkids and a two-year-old great-granddaughter. He's got the moves like Jagger. Ah, holy shit. 72. And wow. Hey, when you're Mick Jagger, you can now, get whatever you want, apparently. fertile as fuck, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know how, but yeah. Let's see what else we got. Mick, wait, hold on, hold on. Oh, okay. here's, a, here's a little message to Mick Jagger. McJager, I know you're not in any like economic hardships, but the the earth is already crowded enough. Maybe you should look into getting a vasectomy. Let's start a petition and have everyone sign it who thinks that McJager should get a vasectomy. Hey, he'll be in and out in one day, less than a day, like yeah. like an hour or so. I think that's what it takes. It's just a little snip. That's yeah, all it snip, is. snip in a time. Snip, snap, snip. Come on, McJager. Come on, Mick. Mickey, come on. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Slipknot's frontman Corey Taylor has made it known that you are not allowed to play on your phone at Slipknot shows. During a recent show, a fan in the front row was conspicuously playing on their phone when Taylor, while singing the song Eyeless, sauntered over to him and slapped the phone out of the guy's hand onto the ground and then pointed his finger right in his face. Slipknot then posted a video of this incident happening on Facebook as a warning to everyone else who plans on playing with phones during Slipknot shows. Okay, all right, one second here. I have the goddamn right to play Pokemon Go wherever the fuck I want to play it. I'm sure he was playing Pokemon Go. Uh, when did this? When did the story come out? Earlier this week? It was. Probably, I think it was like a week ago or so. Yeah, it was Pokemon Go. I will. I'll, okay, I will bet two two dollars. Two dollars. Two dollars. That that guy oh was playing Pokemon Go on his phone. And the Slipknot guy was upset that he couldn't catch that dank-ass Snorlax that appeared on the stage. He was too busy singing. This all really stems from Corey's jealousy. Yeah. For shame, Corey. For shame. To, I bet, like, something cool popped up on that stage, and he was like, what the fuck? I can fuck this shit. Yeah, yeah so I guess if you don't want your phone broken... Keep it hidden or don't be in the front row, at least, where he can actually reach you. <laughs> yeah, that too. Let's see what else we got. Blaris Custom Officials detained the Red Hot Chili Peppers and asked them to sign a bunch of Metallica merchandise. <laughs> what? Yep. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers bassist Flea recently shared this via his Instagram. We were called into customs officials' office at an airport in Belarus, and they asked us to sign a bunch of Metallica CDs and photos. We tried to explain to them that we weren't Metallica, but they insisted that we sign them anyway. 
Oh, it makes my day. And there was a picture of them signing a bunch of Metallica photos. <laughs> and they're obviously not Metallica. No, they're not. No. 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 So there you go. I guess in Blaris, any rock band is Metallica. <laughs> yeah. It's just like an overarching um, thing. Like, is it is it music? Then it's Metallica. <laughs> it's Metallica. Yeah. Is it not music? Then it's then not it's Metallica. Me- yep. All right. Do you are you familiar? Do you know who Sufjan Stevens is? No clue. Okay. He's a multi instrumentalist indie experimental musician. Okay. And uh, allegedly recently. A redditor found an unreleased CD of his from 1998 in a dumpster in Brooklyn. Okay. So this would have actually been his first album ever released had it been released. It's called Stalker, the definitive album by Sufjan Stevens. This anonymous poster on Reddit posted a photo of the album saying that they used to work in the same building that Sufjan's recording studio was in. And one day while Sufjan was doing some renovations to his studio he threw out a bunch of stuff into a dumpster and this redditor salvaged this album and took photos of it to show people uh it's currently unconfirmed whether this is an actual legitimate album or some weird kind of bootleg but another redditor did like hunt down an old interview that with sufyan said that at one point in time he had recorded a bunch of songs from the viewpoint of a stalker stalking a woman but they were never released and based off the title of this album and a bunch of the names of the tracks on it it does seem to be kind of a concept album about a guy stalking a girl and actually the uh, record studio which is called Asmetic Kitty a representative from the label jumped in on the conversation and without saying yes that's a real album they did say wow you have something there that only a few ears have ever heard the music is yet to like be released to the internet to hear but the person did take a bunch of photos of all the album art and the cd and stuff so hmm. yeah and let's see in our final bit of news omar rodriguez lopez the manic guitarist of at the drive-in and the mars volta has announced a new album series starting july 15th and running through mid-december omar will put out a solo album every two weeks that's like wait what yep every two weeks he will release a solo album is it going to be a full solo album a full 10 to 15 tracked solo album okay from now until december that's a lot of albums yes uh i don't think he's going to actually be recording it in the two-week period of time it looks like it was all stuff recorded between 2008 and 2013 Okay. And it should also be noted that prior to the release of this series, he already has about 20 solo albums under his name. And So he's kind of just poops out he, albums yeah, like, on mean, a daily basis. He's kind of like Buckethead in a way where he's just a guitarist. So I, I'm not trying to knock what he does, but it's not that hard to go sit in the studio and fuck around on a guitar. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah, he has an incredible amount of work. So if you're into his kind of crazy experimental guitar tunes and if for some reason you feel like you need more of it, there's a whole lot more coming your way. Alrighty. Yeah. So what have you been listening to lately? Uh, Lately, apart from the five songs we're about to talk about, 
Um, That's all you've been listening to. Oh no, I've I've listened just to other stuff songs. too. Just the five songs. Okay. That's how dedicated songs. John is. Yep, just the five songs. Once once I got that message, like here's your playlist, and like I'm gonna go balls to the walls with this. Um, but uh, in my free time. Uh, when I'm not listening to those five songs, <laughs> I was uh, uh, listening. To, uh, I've been listening a lot to uh, M83's newest album, Junk. Oh yes, Junk. I actually I forgot that came out. I still need to check that out. It's um, it's their follow-up album to their like critical success album, uh, Hurry Up, We're Dreaming. Uh, this it's very it's very 80s like inspired. Um, but when like like well, the thing I love about M83 is like when they get that saxophone going and like and they like it's so good. Um, uh, but um, I I always appreciate oh I always appreciate a good sax. Now this is the one where the album art's like the weird puppets, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It's very puppets. Um, like there's like like the songs are like very like they like, M83 is like kind of this like very like this album and particular goes all over the place there's like the song that you could probably like place behind any um like children's like movie in the animated children's movie in the 80s or like late 90s um and it's like it's like it's it's not as good as hurry up you're dreaming but it's a lot different than their usual style i I would say it's the very like it's very 80s it's 80s inspired cool um so they're kind of playing around with their sound yeah, they're playing around. Um, it's like I, I remember, like when it came out, a lot of people were like really disappointed in it. But I, I think the album is really fun. Um, like I think one, one uh, one second here. Let me look that up really quick. Um, yeah, like the pitchfork, like pitchfork. I think pitchfork fucking hated it. I think. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Like, so like, like. It's it's a lot different than their usual, but it's very it's if you're in the mood for a good '80s like nostalgia trip, or if you just like '80s '80s like the decade in itself, it's a fun album. If you had a song on it to recommend, which one would you recommend? Oh, um, that would be probably the what's it called? One second here. Uh, it's it's uh, gonna be uh like the single for it is "Do It, Try It," and that's really good. I also like um, da, 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 a Moon Crystal as well. Moon oh. Crystal and Do It, Try It. And also Go is really good as well. Ghost? Go. Like, go. Go Got exclamation it. point. Got That's it. Go. Go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'll check those out and I'll make mm-hmm. sure to post that so our listeners can check it out. Yep. I have been listening to the new Aphex Twin EP called Cheetah EP. He's a. It's an interesting, interesting track, especially since he's made his big comeback. He's this will be his fourth release, mm-hmm. and all of them have sounded extremely different. This one, I think, it shows his more kind of restraint side of things. He uh, limited himself to only using a single piece of equipment to record it, this cheetah synthesizer. So he's kind of just trying to see what he can all do, like the varying sounds he can make while restraining himself to only using one piece of equipment. Whereas normally he writes all these weird fucked up computer programs to make all those little bleeps and bloops and whatnot. So it has a very unified sound to it. It's not as eclectic as most Aphex Twin albums are. Mm-hmm. And 
I could see how it could be maybe a little boring for some people, but I think if you're an avid Aphex Twin fan, it is an enjoyable listen in his discography. And it also kind of has a more of a, like kind of a dated late 70s synth feel to it rather than kind of his more like 90s acid house sound that he's more so associated with. I think everyone should check it out, maybe. Um, uh, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. I also have one more uh, recommendation. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, there's a, uh, so this new game came out like a few weeks ago called Fury. And this game has the dopest soundtrack probably of the year so far. Um, it's uh, the, it's called the game. The soundtrack's called Fury, F-U-R-I, um, and uh, the like. Uh, it's like it's probably as of right now probably the best soundtrack of 2016 for a video game. Um, it's very. Um, how do I describe that? It's kind of very techno-y and like like technically like action oriented kind of thing. Uh, but um, the the soundtrack is very solid. It's probably the best part of the game because the game is hard as balls. Um, but uh, like the uh, the uh, the artists that help make the soundtrack, they go by uh, Danger, there's Carpenter Brute, uh, Wave Shaper, Lorne, uh, the Toxic Avenger, and Scattle, and Knight. Uh, have you ever heard of those? No, so this is like, it's kind of like a bunch of different artists contributing yeah. music to the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really good soundtrack. I really recommend it if you're like into like a like a. It's kind of very dancey too, like dance, like 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 a, you can. It's probably dub like dubstepy dance kind of actiony thing. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check that. I love video game soundtracks. Yeah, it's a it's a really good soundtrack. So awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, with that, let's move on to our first track of this shuffle list. All right, let's jump right in. Super fast jellyfish featuring Gruff Rice and De La Soul by Gorillaz off of the 2010 album Plastic Beach. Gorillaz are an English virtual band created in 1998 by Damon Albarn and Jamie Hewlett. Damon Albarn is an English musician, singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and record producer. He's also the lead singer of the alt-rock Britpop band Blur, co-founder, vocalist, principal, songwriter, and instrumentalist of Gorillaz, and the lead singer of the indie group The Good, The Bad, and The Queen. He has also ventured into the world of opera. He's actually composed two operas, one called Dr. D, the other one called Monkey Journey to the West. Jamie Hewlett is an English comic book artist, designer, and director. He is best known as the co-creator of the comic Tank Girl and co-creator of Gorillaz. And he actually also worked with Damon on that monkey Journey to the West opera, doing the visuals and design work for the costumes of the performers. Gorillaz consists of four animated members, 2D, Murdoch, Noodle, and Russell. 2D, whose real name is Stuart Pot, also sometimes referred to as Stu Pot, is the British lead singer and keyboardist of Gorillaz, and his name, 2D, refers to the phrase too dense, which in turn is referenced to the two eight ball fractures he suffers from. An eight ball fracture, also known as hyphemia, is a condition in which blood is pooled into the front chamber of the eye, which gives the iris a black ball look. It's literally blood floating in the eyeball. And it's it's actually a real condition that people have, but this guy has these solid black eyes. And 
see, the way that he got them is on two separate occasions. Uh, the other gorilla's member, Murdoch, crashed his car into Tootie's face, denting both of his eyes. Upon the second dent, Murdoch gave Stewpot the new nickname of 2D. Poor 2D. Yeah, I, that's one of one of my favorite things about the the, the, the gorillas band, uh, is that just the lore behind it. Like, like I love the storyline of the gorillas. Oh, I de- I'm actually just so this episode wouldn't be like four hours long. I had to like try to like reel back. I was yeah. thinking about maybe trying to like making a special episode about gorillas just to cover it. And if anyone is really interested about it, they actually have an official autobiographical book called Ogre. Mm-hmm. which tells all about their backstories, which you can also buy on Amazon.com. <laughs> so as of right now, there are four Gorillaz albums, and every album is associated with a different member of the band. So 2D's album is The Fall, which is came out in 2011, and is the most recent Gorillaz album. I forgot about that one. Yeah, it's... it's meh. <laughs> Let's not talk about that album. Yeah. Uh Murdoch Nichols, second member of the band, is British and bassist and is actually the primary songwriter for Gorillaz. His uh, personality is extremely antagonistic, especially towards 2D. Uh, He's a Satanist. And Jimmy Hewlett has stated that aspects of Murdoch's appearance and personality were based on that of a young Keith Richards, and his attire draws heavy inspiration from Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Uh, of the four albums, Murdoch's album is the, this album that we're talking about, Plastic Beach, came out in 2010. Let's see, Noodle is the Japanese guitarist and backup vocalist for Gorillaz. At the age of 10, after being part of a secret scientific uh, program to create child super soldiers, Noodle was mailed from Osaka, Japan to England via FedEx crate. <laughs> Upon arriving on the doorsteps of Kong Studios, which is Gorilla's recording studio and home, she emerged from the crate and performed a solo guitar, bowed, and said the word Noodle. Hence, her name became Noodle. She was briefly replaced by a robot known as Cyborg Noodle while she was thought to be dead, and she has since destroyed Cyborg Noodle and reclaimed her role as guitarist of the band. Of the four albums, Noodle's album is Demon Days, which came out in 2005. And the last member of the band, Russell Hobbs, is the American drummer for Gorillaz and is considered the personification of the hip-hop aspect of Gorillaz music. Russell is a medium who has the ability to be possessed by ghosts of dead rappers. And he's actually currently extremely large from eating some radioactive contaminated fish while swimming through the ocean. He's about the size of a house right now. Yeah, and his album is the their debut self-titled album Gorillas, which came out in two thousand one. And let's see, uh, Gorillas currently hold Guinness Book of World Record for most successful virtual band of all time. Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure because I know uh, there's a Japanese band uh, Hatsune Miku or something. She's getting pretty big. Like she's maybe I guess at least. At the time when Demon Days came out, I think. Maybe okay. maybe it's been... St- I, I need to look into that. It might have been stolen. Because, yeah, like, she's a... He, like, that band... I'm sorry for going on a tangent and no, breaking this out. But, they, like, apparently that band is, like, huge in, like, Japan and, like, China and, the, and Asia and stuff. Well, shit. Watch your back, Gorillaz. Yeah. Someone's coming c- to claim the throne. I hope Gorillaz comes back soon. They are working on a new album. 
<laughs> I know. I am curious as to since all four band members have had an album so far, what they are going to be doing with this fifth album. It'll be interesting to see. I would hope that they would just give the album to uh, like it's 2D's official album. Yeah, I hope they give him a better album. Because the fall was really disappointing. It was pretty shit. <laughs> yeah, like, make, okay, so it's cool that you can make an album on an iPad on while you're on tour during the Plastic Beach World Tour. Yeah. Uh, but you, you gotta give your that character something better to work with. I think there's a reason why it was initially released for free as a free download. Like, <laughs> it... It's fun and catchy, but it, it doesn't feel like a Gorillaz album. Yeah, yeah, at all. it's very it's very something what to do. But yeah. um, like I would say, uh, out of the three other ones, I, Plastic Beach is definitely my favorite album. So uh, by by far. Damn, we're talking about John's favorite album, guys. I love Plastic Beach. This, it's this a great album. This Plastic Beach Plastic Beach got me through uh, a whole lot of mess when it came out. So, yeah, I suppose. It would have probably come out around mess time. Yeah, whole lot of mess. Thinking about it. Let's <laughs> see. Um, Damon Alburn and Jamie Hewlett first met in 1990, and despite Jamie thinking that Damon was in, quote, R.C. Wanker, <laughs> they eventually became roommates in 1997. The idea to create Gorillaz came about when the two were watching MTV. Jamie said, if you watch MTV for too long, it's a bit like hell. There's nothing of substance there. So we got this idea of a cartoon band, something that would be a comment on that. And so if you follow Gorillaz, they have different eras associated with the band, which they refer to as phases. Uh, the first phase, which is when their self-titled album came out, was called Phase One Celebrity Takedown. And it was that idea of trying to take down MTV culture and fame and bullshit, I, I guess. Uh, the band originally just identified themselves as Gorilla. That was the initial band name for it. Hmm. And eventually they threw the Z on there. And the first song they ever wrote was Ghost Train, a track which would eventually be released as a B-side to their single Rock the House and appear on the B-side compilation album G-Sides. So, Plastic Beach, John's favorite album, Phase 3, which is called Escape to Plastic Beach. Initially... Damon and Jamie began working on a project called Carousel, and that was eventually scrapped, and pieces of it were then taken and turned into Plastic Beach. Damon described this new project as the biggest and most pop record I've ever made in many ways, but with all my experience to try and at least present something that has got depth. Plastic Beach debuted at number two on the UK album charts, selling a little under 75,000 copies in its first week. And in the US, it also debuted at number two on the Billboard 200 list, selling uh, 112,000 copies in its first week. Damn. That's a lot of copies. Damon said that he got the idea for the album while he was on a beach next to his house, saying, I was just looking for all the plastic within the sand referencing all the trash that washes up onto shore these days. So I thought I thought the like the another big part of the Plastic Beach moniker was like the big uh, vortex of of yes. of, this, of this garbage in the middle of the Pacific and yes. it's just it's just there and it will always be there and it's just growing every year. Yeah. The giant the, the next and like, continent and, Murdoch, and like Murdoch uh, on a, on the run from 
the authorities uh, built a like awesome beach pad there on top of that like vortex of plastic. Yep, and he kidnapped 2D and forced him to perform vocals on the album. 2D is extremely, extremely afraid of whales. So he actually trapped 2D in an underwater room with filled with windows that were surrounded by whales, and he was just terrified the whole time. And because Noodle was thought to be dead, he built Cyborg Noodle to play the guitar, and because he couldn't get a hold of Russell, he just used a drum machine to record mm. all of the beats. Like, um, like with the whole Noodle death, that's a whole, that's a story for another day. Yeah, that, that's why I need to do a Gorillaz episode. Yeah. Um, but like, I do like that because because Russell was not part of the last the third album. Like, like they were very not very heavy on any drums at all during the, the album at all. No, it's mostly just like clicks and yeah. ticks. Yeah, you, like I love that they 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 work that into like the story is into Plastic Beach. Um, do you remember they were trying to add like the fourth member of Gorillaz? Uh, not the fourth, the fifth, like an- another like oh, character. Yeah, it was like a contest. I yeah, it was a contest to design one. I don't think that ever happened. But yeah, um, it didn't happen yeah. at all. There's been a lot of like big lofty promises. Like there was supposed to be a Gorillaz movie for the longest time, and that kind of fell no. out yeah. of whatever. Like yeah, like and um, like the whole like overarching story of Plastic Beach. I feel like just based off the lore is um, I think. Like there's this there's this um, guy in a, a, a gas mask. Like what was, what was his name? The, was it like the bishop or something? It was something like sort of holy figure. I think it might have been the bishop, but he's like chasing. Like he's trying to like get Murdoch, uh, and like Murdoch's just running away from him. And like there, there's Bruce Willis involved. And, yep. um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And actually, because the plastic beach lore kind of leads up to this like huge climax. And that never got goddamn well, resolved. They kind of did. If you saw the Do Yo Thing music video, oh, yeah, yeah, they kind of show because what happens in the lore is when all the people ca- like chasing Murdoch eventually get to the beach, they find that he actually wasn't living there at all, and he was actually just broadcasting out of like a really rundown flat in London, which is that's the house they're all living in in the Do Yo Thing music video. So oh. they all end up there. And they show Noodle in the music video, and like if you look closely, her face is kind of bruised but healing from the big fight that happens at the end of the music video. And Tootie's there, and he's all exhausted. And Russell's sleeping on top of the house because he's still too big to fit in it, though he's starting to shrink. And the last we heard is that house is being evicted, and now we're kind of left to see what's going to happen because they're being kicked out of the place that they're all crashing in. Yeah, yeah, I remember the do your thing yeah. thing, but uh, like, I think the last like actual, that that was part for like a Converse shoes kind of thing. Right? Yes, it was. They teamed um, up with James Murphy from LCD Sound System and Andre Andre Three Thousand to record that. That song was fun. I like yeah. that song. Um, but um, like I was I was talking about like the uh, Rhinestone Eyes. Like 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 oh, music the, video the that was failed finished. music video. Yeah, and like how it ended with like Noodle, like 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 Russell and Noodle arriving on Plastic Beach, and like like Noodle popping out of Russell's mouth and like starting the fight with ro- uh, Robo Noodle. Yeah, Cyborg Noodlebot. Noodle. Noodlebot. <laughs> Noodlebot. Yeah, it was just a huge like, like no. <laughs> I was like okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I someday. Maybe someday. What'd you think of the song? Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> super fast jellyfish. Yeah. 
now that we're almost like 50 minutes into this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Second single off Plastic Beach features vocals from Gruff Rice and De La Soul. Gruff Rice is a Welsh musician, composer, producer, filmmaker, and author. He's also part of the band uh, Super Furry Animals. And uh, Gorilla's bassist Murdoch had this to say. When you think about gorillas, it makes sense to have a super furry animal on there, doesn't it? I've always loved them, so I sent a jet jet over to pick Gruff up and take him over here. (laughs) De La Soul is an American hip-hop trio who formed in 1987 in Long Island, New York. And they're known for their eclectic sampling, quirky lyrics, and their contributions to the evolution of jazz rap and alternative hip-hop subgenres. And you might also recognize them because they were featured in the other Gorillaz hit single, Feel Good Inc. So this song contains a sample from a 1986 commercial for Swanson's Microwave Great Starts Breakfast, which you can hear at the beginning of the song. And then there's a music video for the song, which wasn't done by Gorillaz. It was kind of like a fan thing that they commissioned to be turned into one, and it emulates that old commercial. Yeah. The music video shows a guy, a black and white video of a guy waking up, hitting an alarm, going downstairs and cooking a box of these super fast jellyfish. And then he eats one and then he trips out and there's all these <laughs> jellyfish dancing all over the place. It's kind of a dumb music video, especially since all their other music videos were so like incredible and cinematic. It's, it's yeah. a bit of a letdown. Yeah. And, um,. It's speculated that the song is an elaborate metaphor that is meant to lambast the music industry. Uh, While gorillas like to take their time with their music, perfecting it, and attempting to put out quality songs, the music industry tries to force them to make kind of cookie-cutter pop songs and push them out as fast as you can, and that quality should be ignored. So that's... It's trying to, that's the message it's trying to send through these metaphors of talking about these cheap, microwavable breakfast and fast food. So, yeah, what did you think of this track? Um, based on what you said, I can definitely see like the fast food music industry like being talked about in this song. Um, like it's, but uh, at least with the uh, music video, and then, and I kind of liked that the music video was kind of janky and like looks like it was like made in a day. Yeah, it really <laughs> in does. A way. Yeah. So, um, but with uh, Super Fast Jellyfish, it's one of my, f- probably one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, it's, it's, it's nestled right in, kind of in the middle, right after the, the, the number, the, the, the first single, Stylo, and right uh, before uh, Empire Ants. So it's like Stylo is like this, like, is completely like a, a way different song than what Super Fast Jellyfish is. Like when after you're done with the stylo, like that, that song makes you want to like drive fast and like go somewhere, like do something. Get shot uh, at by Bruce Willis. Yes, and get chased by Bruce Willis. Uh, but then like it like, jumps to like this weird. This song is weird on the album, like uh, on the album flow, um, because immediately afterwards is Empire Ants, which is like a nice soft song, and like Super Fast Jellyfish is kind of like this weird, like stepchild kind of thing. Yeah. In between those three, at least. But no, um, um, I love the um, the Rastafarian drums at the end, the do like the little tin drums like right at the end there. Um, but it's a it's a it's a good song. I like it. Yeah, I dig this song too. It's it's great. It's in typical Gorillaz fashion. They put out good music. It's it's super catchy, super funky, super weird, and dare yeah. I say, super fast. 
And actually, it's not jam. super fast at all. It kind of has like a really nice kind of like you said, like Rastafarian kind of yeah. reggae, chill vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's it's a very playful song. Like yeah. I almost would call it fun, but. I feel like a lot of times if you were to describe a song as fun, it might be off-putting to some people, but it's honestly a fun, creative, playful track. Yeah. They're, I think they're just like messing around and they're like, let's make a song with uh, some Rastafarian drums. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I listened to it so many times and I can never figure out what those like weird little voices are. Like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have no idea what they're saying, but you can almost make out words. I'm pretty sure that it's the jellyfish. Yeah, it's probably jellyfish. the jellyfish speaking jelly knees. Jelly knees. Jelly yep. knees. Um, but yeah, this song is definitely my jam. I, I love the oh, song. One, we're one for one jam so far. One for one. <laughs> Calling back to yeah. episode nine. Yeah, I dig it. I dig yeah. this track. You have anything else track. you want to say um, about it? Um, I really um, the song is like the album. Okay, Plastic Beach is a great album. Uh. I, I, Jared, I know. I think you like Demon Days a little bit more than me, than this one. Yeah. Well, hmm. like, honestly, their hard. first album is probably my favorite. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I always pegged you for a Demon Days kind of guy. Yeah. I could see how I could get lumped into that. But no, okay. there. I, I think at least I think there's a huge nostalgia factor. But like. I remember, like, seventh grade, middle school, like, the only thing I listened to was Gorilla's first album, <laughs> on repeat. Yeah. And I, after that, I'm, I mean, obviously, the fall would be fourth. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure. It, it might be, it's, I think it's a toss-up for a second with Demon Days and Plastic Beach. Hmm. I'd okay. have to really think about that. Well, it's, there's more homework for you then. Yeah. <laughs> But no, uh, Plastic Beach is a great album. This song is like it's fun, it's catchy. Uh, you'll probably be humming it after you hear it a few times. Um, Definitely. Like this song, this song is really solid. I, I really like it. A plus. A plus plus. Ooh shit. I'm just kidding. It's, it gets in a good A. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get ridiculous now. Don't yeah. be just throwing out A plus pluses. Yeah. Pitchfork would probably give this song like a five yeah. out of ten, which is probably one of the best reviews they've ever given <laughs> all right let's let's move on to our next track ocean by the dirty projectors plus bjork off of the 2010 ep mount wittenberg orca uh, dirty projectors are an american indie rock experimental pop band from brooklyn new york and while they are often associated with the late 2000s New York indie rock scene, they've also been compared to new wave artists such as David Bryan from Talking Heads. And they've also been compared to like pop stars such as Beyonce and Mariah Carey and progressive rock musicians such as Frank Zappa and Yes. Though in a 2009 interview, David or Dave Longstreth, the frontman for the Dirty Projectors, did not like being compared to those prog rock guys, saying, Steely Dan is a band I'm not into. I'm not a huge yes guy. And Frank Zappa, I fucking hate that guy. Uh, and let's see, Bjork, this is actually her second appearance on Shuffle, is an Icelandic singer and songwriter from Reykjavik, and she has quite an eclectic musical style, drawing on a wide range of influences and genres spanning from experimental pop, electronic, trip-hop, underground dance, classical, and avant-garde styles. Uh, 
So she's a bit all over the place. Mm -hmm. And this little EP, Mount Wittenberg Orca, is considered to be a song cycle, which is a group of individual complete songs that are, des are designed to be performed in a sequential unit. So they're meant to be independent of each other, but they're meant to be played in a very specific order, and they all relate and play to each other. Uh, on this album, uh, Bjork is playing the part of a mother whale, while the other voices are meant to depict either just music or human voices. Because sometimes they're kind of being used as an instrument and sometimes they're actually singing lyrics. And on uh, May 8th, 2009, which is a great day, yeah, if you great ask day. Me. It's a wonderful day. May 8th. May 8th <laughs> is the day that both John and I were born. And sent back. Little shuffle yeah, we were sent back from some future May 8th date to stop something horrible from happening. Yes, which we don't need to get into right now. <laughs> yeah. So on May 8th, 2009, members of Dirty Projectors collaborated with Bjork to perform an original composition by Dave written for five voices and acoustic guitar as part of a charity concert to, de uh, to benefit Housing Works, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing shelter for homeless men, women, and children who suffer from AIDS. And then on June 30th, they announced that they were going to release this Mount Wittenberg Orca EP, which was based off of this collaboration they did. It was a digital-only EP, and all sales were donated to the National Geographic Society of Ocean Initiatives, which helped create international marine protected areas. Uh, Mount Wittenberg is located at Point Rise National Seashore in California, and the inspiration for this EP came from when Amber Kaufman, who is also a member of the Dirty Projectors, saw a pod of whales off the coast while hiking in that spot. Yep. So uh, this track, Ocean, it's the first track off this EP, and it's essentially an introduction to the song cycle. For me, I found it kind of difficult to review because it really is just like an introduction, like other than a droning synth of some sort. Uh, the only noises on the song are female voices singing vowel song sounds. That, that, that's about it. What did you think of Ocean? Okay, I'm glad you brought up the whale part because I was thinking this was a whale song. Oh, that sounds like they were successful then. Um, uh, this song, like, I, I agree with you. This song is really hard to um, review. Uh, but uh, what I got from it was I, I kind of like wrote down this like experience in my mind while listening to it. Uh, I would be, I, I'm standing in a modern art, uh, modern art museum exhibit, and there's this black box. Or, or this black hole in this wall in front of me, and I would place my hand in this in the wall, and then all the and all of the lights around me would go dark, and the whole entire room would go dark, and then this would start playing in my head. That sounds kind of horrifying. Yeah, that's like, the song. The song is qu quite scary. 
um, like the whale noises with from uh, I'm assuming is Bjork, uh, and the like the didgeridoo. I, I, I like uh, I, I had uh, my girlfriend Sheena listen to this. She was like, "That's a didgeridoo." Oh, and see, the, I, a, I had no idea. I guess it was just like a synth, but that actually the, makes sense. She picked out with a didgeridoo, and I was like, "This is like 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 if I was in a, like I could see this in a modern like art exhibit where they have these weird kind of experimental stuff." Like I think the last time I went to the Walker, there's this guy go yeah 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 yeah. On a wall that, that that reminded me of a modern art exhibit. Sure, yeah, I could I could definitely see that. Yeah, I agree with kind of like the horrifying nature of it. Like, I felt like there's like a really kind of like sinister vibe to this song. Like, it made yeah. me it made me feel extremely uneasy. Yeah, there's like a weird build up to something, but I'm pretty sure like that would carry over to the next part of the EP. Yeah, like yeah, I feel like this is definitely a song where you need to keep listening to it because on its own it's just it's so alien in some ways like i'm sure within the context of the ep it'd fit better but on its own it's just it's kind of off-putting and i'm not saying it's off-putting in that it's a bad song like it feels like it's intentionally off-putting yeah like it's meant to kind of be jarring it's it's an odd song overall but it is intriguing like it does make me want to keep listening to the EP just to see what comes after that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, especially because uh, it came after Super Fast Jellyfish. Uh, then you just get to this... Like, yeah. <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. Sorry for your ears. <laughs> um, we can probably edit that. <laughs> but um, I, Actually, um, all this episode is going to be is just that song on repeat. <laughs> that sound on repeat for two hours. Yeah, but it was just like it was just so like that was that that that's what unsettled me the most is like from um, uh, super fast jellyfish to that it's just it's just uh, it's way too weird to me. Yeah, you kind of go from a very, something very accessible to something extremely inaccessible. Like the juxtaposition yeah. of those two songs are like very disorienting. Yeah, definitely. All right. I don't mean to spend so much little time on it, but there's not a whole lot there to talk about. Yeah. So moving on. Let's move on to <laughs> Colin Canth One by Dead Mouse, aka Deadmau5, aka Dead our Shuffle's brother in fives as S's. <laughs> off of the 2014 album While One Is Less Than Two. Dead Mouse is Joel Thomas Zimmerman, a Canadian progressive house music producer and performer from Toronto, Ontario. Dead Mouse produces a variety of styles within the house genre and sometimes other forms of electronic music as well. When Zimmerman was in his early teens, he was chatting online with a friend when his computer abruptly shut off, and he said that he smelled like burning wires and a strange odor. So he began to dismantle his computer and when he opened it up, he happened to find a dead mouse inside of it. Oh my. And from then on out, he became known to his friends as that dead mouse guy. <laughs> so a couple days later, when he went into an online chat room, he tried to make his screen name be dead mouse, one word, like D-E-A-D-M-O-U-S-E, but it was too long. So he had to lead it and shorten it to dead mouse five. And that's the origin of the name, Denmau Five, Denmau. Yep, Denmau. Uh, he also created the, his original logo, the iconic big mouse head, which I'm sure most people are familiar with. 
It's called Mousehead, spelt M-A-U-5-H-E-A-D. Well, and he originally created it while he was just kind of messing around and learning how to use 3D modeling software. And he, then he was uh, given the idea to start wearing it as a headdress on stage by one of his friends, Jay Gordon, who is in the uh, industrial metal band Orgy. And interesting enough, in 2014, the Walt Disney Company filed a request with the United States Patent and Trademark Office to investigate Zimmerman's application to register the mouse head emblem as a trademark, noting its resemblance to the figure of Mickey Mouse. If you want to learn more about this, I can post, but there's just a ton of bullshit that goes on between them and Disney. I, by <laughs> June of 2015, they had everything settled, everyone's happy, but there was a lot of just stupid back and forth bullshit about trademark stuff. Yeah, that, I think that'll be an, uh, a forever fight with yeah. that. Yep. <laughs> Uh, he's also known for being very accessible to his fans, frequently streaming live videos of himself working in the studio, and he's also known for being a total asshole and troll on Twitter. <laughs> Sometimes needs to learn to sh keep his mouth shut, because he just says whatever comes into his brain and it gets him in trouble sometimes. Yeah. See, uh, Zimmerman is also deeply connected to the video game realm of things. He is a character in DJ Hero 2, Goat Simulator, Watch Dogs, Family Guy the Quest for Stuff, and Minecraft. He's in Minecraft? Yep. Uh, there is Notch, back when Notch was still associated with Minecraft, made a special skin for Dead Mouse that gives his avatar ears, the big mouse ears. Huh. Yep. Uh, he's also has many, many video game related tattoos. He has an 8-bit Space Invader tattooed on his neck, an 8-bit Boo from Mario on his arm. He has Shigeru Miyamoto's signature tattooed on his arm. He has a Creeper from Minecraft tattooed on his arm. And he has like the little 8-bit Zelda heart thing, like the, the, heart, the, the, the four pieces. heart containers. Yeah. He has that tattooed on his arm as well. He likes video games. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, he's a big fan of Diablo 3. Yes, he is. Um, there's this really um, interesting... Um, look, he, he's a huge fan of Diablo 3. He likes to play, um, like I think it was like Demon Hunters at the time. Yeah. Uh, but there's like all these... like He, he also streams on Twitch, apparently, um, from time to time. And like he recently got into Diablo 3, and uh, he has his own uh, item uh, in the Diablo 3 game as well. Oh, yeah. Is, what is it? It's a uh, locket. It's a legendary locket. Yeah. It has like his like the mouse head emblem, and um, like it can work with any class really. Uh, but and when when that class uses uh, a specific ability, it'll like create like a little like circular AOE around the class, and like all the enemies in that circle will start jumping around and dancing. Ah, uh, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, like like he has like he has um like a he. Because with Diablo 3, he has like this strange relationship. I think he swore it off after some issues with the Blizzard servers. Uh, like, had his uh, hardcore uh, character die randomly, like, against his control. And they couldn't bring it back, or they wouldn't bring it back. So, like, I think he's might have sworn off Diablo 3 completely. But he has an item in the game. So. Oh, shit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, oh, and... Also, in 2007, he started his own record studio called Mouse Trap Records. 
Of course, it's spelled M-A-U-5-T-R-A-P. <laughs> so this album, while one is less than two, is the seventh studio album by Dead Mouse. It is a double album that's 25 tracks long and has a continuous mix for each disc, meaning that technically the album could be played forever because it will just keep looping back on itself. It just flows back to the beginning when the album ends. And the album's name is in reference to this. Uh, one parenthesis, well, while one is less than two, is a reference to a computer programming language phenomenon known as an infinite loop, being incomplete but valid code in C and its derivatives. And it's also a reflection of the fact that the album is a two-disc album. I don't know enough about computer programming, but... I don't know anything about yeah. computer programming. And little interesting Nin fact, Nine Inch Nails fact. The album features a remix of a Nine Inch Nails song, Survivalism, and a How to Destroy Angels song, Ice Age. Oh, I love Ice Age. Yep. So yeah, he remixed Ice Age for... Actually, it follows this song on the album, the Colon Cath 1. Oh, okay. Now, I bet you're wondering, what the hell is a Colon Cath? Yes, I am. Well, a Colon Cath constitutes a now rare order of fish that include two extant species of genius Latimeria, the West Indian Ocean colon cath, and the Indonesian colon cath. So it's a big old fish. I thought it was called, uh, pronounced a uh, coelacanth. I'm probably saying it totally wrong because I've only ever read it. Coelacanth okay. makes more sense. <laughs> Sorry, I just like... No, I, no. I, I, if you, I when think, you brought up the fish, that what, what's what clicked with me. I'm I like, think oh. you're right. It is coelacanth. Yeah. Okay. So, ignore all that stuff I said. Coelacanth are considered <laughs> to be the most endangered order of animals in the world because up until 1938, they were thought to have gone extinct 66 million years ago in the late Cretaceous period. Ooh. So they've been hiding for 66 million years. And then in 1938, one was found off the coast of South Africa. They are considered to be a, li or they were considered to be a living fossil because it was believed to be the sole remaining member of a taxon otherwise known only f in in its only form as a fossil. It had no, its closest living relative was a fossil, huh. but they actually have discovered that over the 400 million years that they've been in existence, they have evolved long enough to have more closer relatives, so they aren't considered to be a living fossil anymore. And another little interesting fact about them, they are more closely related to lungfish, reptiles, and mammals than to most other fish. So, they're ugly, Yeah, too. they're pretty fucking ugly fish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so similar to the, the last song, this song kind of feels like an intro song again, like it should lead up to something. So it's kind of weird to talk about. But what did what did you think of this track? Wait. Um, in comparison to Ocean and uh, with, and with Colacanth, we got some. Oh, Coelacanth, we have some um, good Ocean vibes with with Plastic Beach, um, like Ocean and uh, Coelacanth. Uh, but uh, I like Coelacanth a little bit more i thought i think coelacanth is way more accessible than ocean is if you're just going to listen to to either of those two songs you'll probably will like coelacanth more i agree um i, I totally love agree. the organ i love the organ in this song yeah the organ's great i really like the strings too yeah like 
Um, like the, the I, I like the song. Like, I can't really say much about it because um, it's it's pretty short. I love like the but I do love the slow pace of it, uh, and I like how it's kind of building up to something at the end there. But and it reminded me a lot of uh, like like Nine Inch Nails and um, um, uh, how to uh, how to destroy angels like uh, something Trent Reznor might write or something. Yeah, I can hear that. He was definitely. Especially around the time when this album came out, he was posting a lot of stuff about Nine Inch Nails and How to Destroy Angels. I think he was heavily inspired by Trent Reznor's work when he was working on this album, hence the two remixes that appear on the album. And it should also be noted that um, there are three songs in total on on this album that reference Coelacanth. There's a Coelacanth 1 and a Coelacanth 2, and there's another song on it called My Pet Coelacanth. Uh, the My Pet Coelacanth song has a very similar melody to this, but it's actually kind of like a full-fledged EDM techno beat song. While Coelacanth 2 seems to kind of just be a continuation, it's very similar. It's also short, no beat or drums, and just kind of this synth buildup with organs and strings mixed in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a nice song overall. It's a little boring. I feel like it's not long enough to really be like an ambient track or a drone track. Like the idea isn't fully fleshed out, but then it's also too short to be like an EDM song. It never quite reaches what it's building towards. Yeah. It's a little underwhelming, but it is, it's nice to listen to. It sounds Mm. very nice. And like most Dead Mouse music, it's extremely well produced. Like technically, it's incredible, but it just. It feels like it's missing something. Yeah, like I wish there was like a payoff at the end, like near the end of it, yeah, or like like okay. it was something like maybe like uh, on the album itself, it would flow better into the next song. Um, but like I think with Coelacanth One, it, uh, it suffers a lot like Ocean is, and it's like, but like what 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 Coelacanth has going for it, not better than ocean is that it doesn't have any weird freaking noises going on with it. <laughs> yeah so it's very soothing it's not yeah. so like horrifying yeah yeah like and i like because of like how it's a, i kind of like how it's placed like right after ocean you get this song as well and it's like okay now we just you had that weird song and now we're going to just calmly go into the next one with uh sila camp like we will bridge you over into whatever's coming next yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what else to say. I think that's about all I got. Mm. Yeah. I don't got anything to say. All right, let's it's... move on to <laughs> Shadow Play by The Killers then. Ooh. Off of the 2007 album Sawdust, and it should be noted that this is actually a cover of a Joy Division song, mm-hmm. off of the 1979 album Unknown Pleasures. And if you don't know, Joy Division was an English post-punk band from the late 1970s. The Killers is an American alternative rock band who formed in Las Vegas, Nevada in 2001. And the name, The Killers, is derived from a logo on a bass drum of a fictitious band portrayed in the music video for the New Order song, Crystal. Now, this is really interesting because uh, if you know anything about Joy Division or New Order, it's that they're in some ways a very similar band. Uh, Joy Division's frontman Ian Curtis uh, committed suicide and 
the rest of the band members from Joy Division went on to then form New Order. So, I, I mean, basically from this, I can gather that Brandon Flowers, lead singer and frontman of The <laughs> Killers, is probably a huge Joy, Joy Division New Order fan, since mm-hmm. a lot of the band seems to be connected to those bands. The Killers are seen as one of the biggest rock bands of the 21st century and one of the most successful rock acts to ever emerge from the state of Nevada, having sold an estimated 22 million albums worldwide. Now I'm going to try to implement a new segment that might pop up every now and then, which I call Nine Degrees of Separation. Oh God, here we go. The new segment where I try to connect a band or song with Nine Inch Nails. (laughs) Okay. So, for Sam's Town, the killer's second album, which was released right before this compilation album, Sawdust, so many of the songs featured on Sawdust were from the recording sessions of Sam's Town. So for Sam's Town, the killers brought in British music producers Alan Mulder and Flood. Those are two. One guy's name's Flood. One of them's named Alan Mulder to produce this new record, Sam's Town. This would be the first time that Mulder and Flood would work together since the 1995 Smashing Pumpkins album, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Now it should be noted that Flood and Mulder produced arguably Nine Inch Nails' two most highly regarded albums, The Downward Spiral and The Fragile, respectively. There you go. Nine degrees of separation. That wasn't really nine. That was more like two. No, it's because <laughs> it's nine for Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> I know, I know. I understand. I Maybe I got to come up with a better name for it. Everything traces back to Trent. Everything traces back yeah. to Trent. Yeah, it's a play on six degrees of separation in Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> Yeah, if you guys have okay. a better name for it, let me know. I kind of like, no, I like nine okay. degrees of separation. Okay, maybe next time I'll try to do more to actually make it nine. That's going to take a whole <laughs> lot of work, though, but I'll see what I can do. Okay, it'll be more, it'll be more, it'll be more of a good build-up. Yes. <laughs> so, Sawdust is a compilation album that consists of two singles, B-sides, rarities, covers, and remixes that were recorded by the Killers between 2002 and 2007. And... I'd like to mention that Sawdust has a fucking cool album cover. Yeah. <laughs> it depicts yeah. this rotten log that kind of slowly transforms into a human arm. I think it's great. I probably <laughs> should have looked up who did it because I like it so much, but I did not. But check out that album cover. And like I previously said, most of the tracks on this album were from the Sam's Town recording sessions. The other songs were from the Hot Fuss Uh, recording sessions which is the killer's first album as well as some other just rarities b-sides and covers now this song shadow play as i mentioned is a cover of a joy division song and it should also be noted that shadow play is a display in which the shadows of flat jointed puppets are cast on a screen that is viewed by an audience from the other side that's technically what shadow play is it is literally performing a play with shadows uh, the Killers covered this Joy Division song for a, the 2007 film Control and was played during the film's credits as well as being included on the soundtrack for that movie's soundtrack album. Control is a 2007 British-American biographical film about the life of Ian Curtis, the lead singer of Joy Division. Uh, Anton Corbin, ex- the director of the film, explained why he used uh, The Killers' cover of Shadow Play for the closing credits. 
He said, quote, the end scenes are very strong and very beautiful. Since it ends with him killing himself, I'm assuming. There's also a reason why, over the credits, I put a poppy version of Shadowplay that the killers had made for the film. Because it helps you lift your mood a bit. <laughs> uh, there, is yeah. a, there is a music video for this song. It is a black and white video that intercuts clips from the film control with shots of the killers kind of singing the song with like a kind of a security camera footage glitchy display over them and them looks like they're sitting in like like a green room before a show looking into mirrors and kind of looking angsty <laughs> it, it's an all right music video it, it's interesting it's not amazing yeah it's kind yeah. of worth checking out did you watch it oh yeah, yeah. i've seen the i've seen i saw that music video before uh, when it first came out what do you think of it uh the music video yeah um it's it's, it's a music video. Uh, I didn't know that. I did not know that uh, the 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 non-killer parts was from a movie. Oh, okay. Um, so I was like, I was like, like what kind of <laughs> who are those people over here? <laughs> so um, it was it was interesting. Uh, so I didn't know it was the the non-killer parts was from a movie. Uh, didn't so um, I really don't know a lot about Joy Division, uh, but or the movie that, that that's about um, that. Uh, but um, it was I. I, it's okay. It's an okay mu- music video. Yeah, it's okay. I kind of feel the exact same way. Yeah. So let's talk about the song. Uh, so Ian Curtis wrote this song. He was a depressed dude. And so the song is kind of about, at least according to him and where he was at in his life, he kind of had... I know he was. He came before Kurt Cobain, but he had a similar life to Kurt Cobain in that after being thrust into the public's eye, he was having a really hard time struggling with his newfound fame and kind of being this icon in front of people. And so it is speculated that this is kind of what that song is about. It's about uh, feeling alienated from the audience like he kind of feels like he's just a shadow puppet on stage acting for the audience and feeling used and like he uh there's a like a line in the song in the shadow play acting out your own death knowing no more Mm -hmm. uh he would frequently like fake seizures on stage to try to get a reaction out of the audience and they would just keep dancing to the music and it felt like well shit if i was actually dying they just would have let me die so he felt like he had no connection to the people that he was performing for and like every night the audience would leave like he'd go on stage for an hour and perform and then they'd all leave and he'd just be left alone in his trailer so he kind of just felt really used and unwanted and that's kind of what the song is kind of about it's about him putting himself out there and not getting anything back for it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, 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 I had not listened to the original version of this, the, of uh, of uh, Shadowplay until today, this morning. Uh, so I listened to that and I was like, holy shit, this song is really depressing. Yeah, it's really dark and minimal. <laughs> yeah, especially it's like, compared to the Killers. Yeah, cover. the Killers cover. Um, but like, I, I listened to it and I was like, this is. Uh, it's, it's so minimalistic it's, it's like it's so like it's like it's basically him telling them like, like I think it's like 
Like it's like he's screaming out for help with this song in a way. Yeah, and everyone's just ignoring him. Yeah, but I don't think uh, it's not like a like that like that mate that that original is not really a song you could really dance to. There's nothing much to it though. It's yeah, that's true. I think it was more so in reference to like the majority of their music, like yeah, okay. their big famous song. Love will tear us apart again. It, okay. It's kind of like a dark, moody song, but there is kind of like a catchiness to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And when asked about why they decided to cover the song, Brandon Flowers stated, "Quote: We wanted to give the song an emotional uplift. It actually sounds more like a New Order song than a Joy Division song." And I definitely do think they gave it a bit of an emotional uplift without yeah. going too far in like the poppy, happy yeah. realm of things. I know there's a lot of diehard Joy Division fans that are a bit put off by the the Killers cover, cover of this song, but I think this song is friggin' great. I love the Killers cover of this song. It's so goddamn catchy and driving, but I think the darker undertones of the song still come through. I just feel like there's a whole lot more energy put into it yeah um with the cover um like like it's proud it's like compared to like the other killer song i'm a huge killers killers fan um uh, so um like but with this song is a lot different than like this one is like it's noticeably a lot more like like it's it's toying with the darkness in and music and and uh this is like a, a very dark killer song for in comparison to their other kind of stuff that they did but around that time though they were doing sam's town and um they, they, kind of, they were just off of their success of hot fuzz and they went into sam's town and like sam's town was like panned because it was like not like hot fuzz enough um which is a real atrocity because Samstown is like really underappreciated. I in love Samstown. Samstown is like my favorite killer. Yeah, it's album. probably my favorite as well. Uh, but uh, but with like they, I think the, the killers they wanted to get away from like because everyone thought when Hot Fuzz came out, they everyone thought they were like a British band. They're like, no, we're freaking Americans. We're from Nevada. This is what. <laughs> so like they, they they had to change like their style drastically, and they've been doing uh, way different styles like even past sawdust with uh, day and age they went like full kind of like like really heavy like rock pop kind of thing like really poppy and some really with, dancey stuff on that album too yeah the day and age was really dancey and like poppy inspired and then their latest album battleborn was like very like american ballad kind of like kind of stuff like a lot of like more like power ballads like kind of like bruce springsteen yeah like they they kind of like been jumping around like with how they're gonna sound and like apparently uh elton john is helping them write is like is helping them with their next uh studio album that's supposed to, to come out later in 2016 oh shit so i don't know like they, they, i love the killers because whenever you get a new album from them they're like they're going to be it's going to be a different experience every time in my opinion but yeah they can definitely reinvent themselves I think, and it, they can do it in very successful ways, which not yeah. everyone can. Yeah, um, like like Sawdust again is like a, it's not really a it's, a, it's not an album release. It's a it's a B sides track, really. It's a it's a compilation, um, but like Shadowplay is like like I think it could like Shadowplay itself could be a, on a like on, like a standalone really. Um, it was one of the it was the the single for it, right? Yeah. It was. It's honestly probably the best song off of Sawdust, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. I just really dig its song. It's, 
it's moody but catchy, which I think are two things that most people couldn't put together in a song, and they do it very nicely. And I, I have to say, I absolutely love around the three-minute mark when he screams, wah! Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it gets all quiet and slowly builds up, and he just yells, wah. I just, I love that part. <laughs> yeah, Brandon Flowers, uh, he knows when to start, like, like when a scream is. Like, I think another, like, like a good example is his howl. Like, he, he howls a lot, and, like, and uh, I think Battleborn or Day and Age, I think. Like yeah. He, he knows how to add, like, a good, like, little, like, kind of thing, but... He definitely yeah. he knows how to be like the front man for a band. He's got yeah, he, yeah. he's got a lot of it, as people in the biz would say. He has and, it. And what, could you say that like with with like the state of like how music is today, like is it like 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 uh, would you say like the Killers is more like an homage, like like how they're set up? Is that more of like a like an homage, like the like the old like American bands of yore, or like would you think they they don't really fit well with like like. They don't really fit well in like the niche, like like how like music is like from from America going on right now. I think. Yeah, there definitely is kind of like a timelessness about them, or like like you said, kind of like an older sensibility, but with yeah. a modern take on it. Yeah. I like. I don't know if this is gonna make sense, but they. Lana Del Rey does a similar thing, where she kind of has this like weird. 1930s Hollywood vibe about her but she's making modern pop music at the same time and mm-hmm. it's kind of this undefinable timelessness about them which I think is it's a good thing I, I think it's a good thing at least yeah uh, I know like the killers are really big in like uh, Europe and stuff and they're kind of like they kind of like middle of the road kind of like they, they don't really get that much attention in America but like I know they have a big like diehard fan base. Um, like I went to I I have been to one Killers concert and that concert like blew my mind. It was like so fun. I had, like that was like the funnest concert I've been to. I bet they put on a great show. Yeah, they have like the Vegas um, like like mentality of like the lights and stuff. Sure. And, like they, they put on a good show and Brandon Flowers is a great frontman. Uh, but uh, Shadowplay, I uh, in, in my opinion as covers go is a great cover. Yeah. It takes the original song uh, and it the, the Killers the Killers put their twist on it. It's really fun. I love the song. It's one of my favorite killer songs. A plus. A plus A plus. plus, I would even it, say. Yeah. This song is the jam jar. <laughs> <laughs> it's the jar that holds the jams. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, let's let's move on to our last track. Screenwriters Blues by Soul Coughing off the nineteen ninety four album Ruby Vroom. Soul Coughing was an American alternative rock band who heavily experimented with jazz, fusion, funk, and hip-hop sounds. Steve Huey of AllMusic described the band as, quote, one of the most unusual cult bands of the 1990s. Driven by frontman Mike Dottie's stream-of-consciousness poetry, Soul Coughing's sound was a willfully idiosyncratic mix of improvisational jazz grooves, oddball samples, hip-hop, electronics, and noisy experimentalism. Described by Dowdy as deep slacker jazz, end quote. Soul Coughing broke up in the early 2000s after putting out three albums, and it was said to be due to years of feuding over songwriting credits and publishing. 
uh, Mike Dottie would go on to write a book called The Book of Drugs, which described what he refers to as the dark, abusive marriage that was soul coughing, as well as his horrible drug addiction. In fact, Dottie has stated that he now resents being recognized for his work with soul coughing. In the book, he also writes, quote, If somebody says they love soul coughing, I hear, fuck you. Somebody yells out for soul coughing during one of my solo shows, it means, fuck you, end quote. So yeah, he's not too happy with his years of being in soul coughing. And it should also be noted that soul coughing is a euphemism for throwing up, coined in a poem by Mike Dotti. So it means to throw up, I guess. Yeah, um... I didn't like the song. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't. Uh, this, um, this going. Like, I, I'm, I, I'm just going to. I'm just going to be flat out. I did not like the song at Interesting. all. Interesting. Um, it felt to me like what I wrote down was it. It, it was very. It was very preachy, and it some. It was something more like a poem than like anything else. Um, and like I did not like how like near the end of the song, he, like it sounded like it was deliberately like stretched out, like you're listening and to, like and like sure. just like, um. But like, it's I can see the jazz influence, but I would just if I wanted a song like that, I would just go to Tom Waits or something. Sure. Um. But it's that that was just my take on that. No, I, I totally respect that. You're actually the first person I've ever played this song for that didn't like it. Yeah, I, I did not like it. I like that. I feel like <laughs> oftentimes the shuffle gets a little too agreeable. I like I like hearing other takes on stuff. So thank you for not You're liking the song. So so you like the song. Yeah, I would say okay. I like this song. Um Here before I get into that, I just want to say that so this album Ruby Room it's their first album, and they did a bunch of like really experimental technique things when they were recording it. Like they used binaural microphones to record the drum kit, which separates the audio channels into like the left and right ear. And they did weird things like stick car mufflers on the microphones before people recorded with it, and had people like go out into payphones and call an answering machine and record the vocals into the answering machine and then using the tape from the answering machine as the playback for the vocals. I, this was It was the early 90s and I think that you had a bunch of druggy dudes that were really into like beat and slam poetry that were trying to make music together. Their okay. following two albums were a lot more accessible and mainstream. I would say this first album, Ruby Room, was very experimental and like you said most of the lyrics are more like slam and beat poetry like recited over music than actually like singing along to a song yeah which especially i will say there are other songs on this album that are more of a traditional song this is probably one of the more out there ones like this song was actually just based off of a poem he wrote it's interesting he wrote it while he was um attending liberal arts college in new york city and the only time he's actually ever been to california is when he took a trip to huntington beach with his mom so he actually wrote this song having never been to la or reseda which the song is about and he said that he picked reseda because he had a poetry tree, a poetry teacher that 
preach that just simply using geographic names in poetry can instantly be evocative because city names might mean different things to different people so he didn't want to like put his own influence on it too much and he's now stated that since he's been to LA after writing the song that he thinks that he got the vibe of LA right even though he had never been there before Hmm. so I do like this song I find it to be an interesting critique on LA culture and how fake and brutal and selfish and ugly it can be I really dig the horn sample with like the really subtle vinyl cracking noises. It gives it a very kind of atmospheric sense of place. And the walking bass line from the stand-up bass and the drums give it a nice groove. And Mike's lyrics are extremely cynical and I could see how to some people they could be very inspiring and to other people they could be very pretentious and off-putting. <laughs> Yeah, I can. Yeah, that's comple- what, that's, yeah, I can completely yeah. understand that. Like, you have to be a pretentious douchebag to kind of like find <laughs> meaning in this song. No, you're not a douchebag. No, you're not pretentious. I'm, I think everyone has the ability to be pretentious yeah. and to find more meaning in stuff than there actually is. And I feel like, hold on a second, it just started like crazy downpouring, and I'm sure my microphone is picking it up. So I'm gonna go shut the window. Okay. <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> All right. And so Jared has left, and uh, I am all alone, wondering when will Jared return to shut his window. This episode of Five Huffle was brought to you by Amazon.com, where you can always uh, go to the Five Huffle or JaredScott.com and go to the top of the page and click the the, the web portal to Amazon and uh, 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 buy everything on Amazon.com and. Give some money to Jared. He really needs some help. Okay. I'm, I think he's back. I can hear him. I'm back. And okay. I was going to cut all that out, but I guess we're going to leave that in because <laughs> you were saying stuff. Okay. So <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. I appreciate you filling in the void. Um, hey, so that's I was, what I'm here for. I was trying to say, uh, I feel like everyone has not, you don't have to be pretentious in a douchebag, but everyone has tendencies to find more meaning and stuff than might actually be there. And especially the song like this, which I listened to early in high school when I was more angsty and I thought... Oh, God, yeah. You okay, know. So it, so it was like, say that. It's like, yeah, it, fuck everything, nihilism, be cynical, LA's <laughs> fake as shit. Like, I, and I think that kind of just stuck with me. I don't know what it would be like to be a 27-year-old listening to this song for the first time. I might have a similar reaction that you did, but... Yeah, like I, if I listened, I'm pretty sure if I listened to this song back in high school, I would totally be on its, on its board. But I think just like maybe now that I'm not as angsty as I was, or um, like I have some more like mileage to myself, I I, I, I did not really connect with what the like I, I liked I liked the poem like like the poem itself, but as a song, I don't think it worked that well. I completely respect and understand that. Okay. But uh, but uh, again, you did bring up like the experimental parts of it. Like they were like doing like weird stuff, like the mufflers. That, that's cool. But like I also do love the books and stuff. Like the, the this song reminded me a lot of the like like the books in a way. Oh, the band, the books, the books. Yes. Yeah, the band, the books. Um, and I like I, I would just prefer, like, but I like the books because they go way out there. Like they go, they do weird shit with their with that with their kind of stuff. But like this was like kind of this too on the nose, too like on the nose, and like it was like it felt like I don't know, it felt I I did not I, I just didn't like it. I don't not know. Not your jam. Not my jam. No, I agree. I definitely think 
for going into an album with the intent of having like an experimental recording process, the books are way more successful at it in that you can hear the experimentation in the music. Whereas with soul coughing, I feel like you have to be told about it first and then you have to go back and be like, okay, I can kind of hear that. Like it's not that evident just upon listening to the song. Whereas with the books, I feel like it is more so. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, when I listened to the first time, I was like, what does this remind, trying to remind me of? Like, I was trying to figure out what it was. And then like during like your explanation, I was like, oh, it's the books. Like I, I was reminded of the books with, from this, this music track, the song track. Yeah. I never made that connection either, but that, makes a lot of sense to me now yeah well i think that kind of wraps things up uh what was your favorite track of the five um it's definitely a toss-up between uh the super fast jellyfish and shadow play for me um but i'm i have to go to my bias and be true to my true fanboy self and pick shadow play damn yeah shadow play is my favorite song so now to we no know surprise. now we know <laughs> in the Cavalcade of John's fanboy dumbs. The killers beats out gorillas. Well, okay, okay. Wait, wait a second. If there was a, another gorilla song on here, okay. So like, but Shadowplay beats out super fast jellyfish. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I was making too bold of a statement. Yeah, like I like I like I love back. the gorillas and I love the killers, but based on the two songs that are on this f- list of five, Shadowplay, in my opinion, is a more fun. Like I like that song better than super fast jellyfish. Got but it. it's a close one and two. Got it. Yep. See, I think I would have to say my favorite track is the one you probably hated the most. You always do this. Yeah. You always, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Screenwriter's Blues. But at the same time, I love Shadowplay and I love Super Fast Jellyfish. I just... I think it had like a effect on me at like a more crucial time in my life Mm -hmm. whereas super fast jellyfish and shadow play i was probably a little bit more refined in my musical taste at that point in time so while i can i still like truly enjoyed them i didn't have like these big emotional holes in my personality that to be filled by with whatever ran into them first yeah yeah i have have a big nostalgia factor of screenwriters blues Maybe we could um, uh, agree on the worst song out of the five. Shadowplay. Oh, okay. Then never mind. <laughs> no, I was probably gonna. S- Ocean was probably my least favorite track <laughs> yeah. of the five. Yeah, I'll give I'll give Ocean that yeah. spot too. Um, at least like I I I liked um, the Screenwriters Blues song um, more than Ocean. Like, at least there's something there. Like Ocean was just way out there and. A really, really, really un- unsettling to me. I agree. Like, and at least screen- the screenwriter's blues wasn't unsettling. It just I just didn't connect with it at the right time. I I totally got get that. Mm-hmm. So plug your shit. Oh, okay. Well, if you're interested in hearing my voice some more, and sometimes Jared, uh, he, uh, I have this cool, awesome podcast called The Game Cave Podcast. Uh, you can find it on Facebook with uh, the address facebook.com forward slash The Game Cave Podcast. I'm also on Twitter with uh, The Game Cave Podcast at, uh, at TGC underscore podcast. You can find it also on Tumblr at uh, tumblr.com, uh, no, The Game Cave Podcast.tumblr.com. And you can listen to it at soundcloud.com slash the Game Cave Podcast. That's the one I always forget. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for. And it's also on iTunes, uh, uh, Google Play, 
uh, tune in and stuff. Um, and uh, we also uh, will have a we're having a guest actually tomorrow. So uh, we'll uh, actually we'll have someone that works with uh, the Sony uh, uh, Sony Entertainment Company coming on tomorrow. Oh shit! Yeah. So look for that. You guys, gotta check that out. Check it out. So you can connect with Shuffle at facebook.com slash shuffle at shuffle podcast on Twitter, shufflepodcast.tumblr.com on Tumblr, or email us at shufflecastpod at gmail.com. And please remember to check out our website, www.jrdsctt.com slash shuffle for all of the interesting little news bits and stories that we talked about on today's episode. And also, if you guys are craving another listener-generated playlist, we only need one more song to have another listener-generated playlist. So if you have a song you'd like to hear us talk about, please send it to us on one of those social networky things I, I just listed. Did I give you my song yet? or You did. You actually oh. gave me one and then <laughs> recanted it and submitted a second one. Okay. Yeah. I forget. That's been so long. Okay. Yeah, it's been a um, while because I've been waiting. And I finally got two more, and now I'm just waiting for one more. A quick question, Jared. Do we want to announce something that might be coming up soon, or? Oh yeah, I guess. Do, do we want to like tease that a little bit? Yeah, tease away. Okay. Well, um, if okay, so if you liked this podcast and um, you're interested in seeing more, uh, Jared and I working together on a podcast. Uh, we've been in the talks of uh, starting a, a movie podcast called It Stinks. It's it stinks. It stinks. And it's still and uh, we're still uh, working out the kinks for it. Uh, but you should be uh, looking out for that uh, in the near future, hopefully sometime soon. It'll gonna be, is it's going to be stinky. It's going to be stinky. We're going to be watching uh, pretty bad movies. And then we're going to talk about them and how much they stink. Or they might not stink. Who knows? I guess we could be surprised with something yeah. pleasant smelling. Yeah, maybe you'll like something that stinks, and yeah. So if you like seeing, want if, if you're interested in that, um, yeah, look for that coming up, hopefully sometime soon. I'll plug the shit out of it once something more complete <laughs> is in the works. Created. Yeah. So all we got left are your tracks for epi- next week's episode, episode twenty-one. Episode 21. And those five tracks are Bold Advances by Helios, Thermostat by They Might Be Giants, Would You Be Impressed by Streetlight Manifesto, Daffy Duck by Animal Collective, and the last track is Love You to Pieces by Jeremy Messersmith. Oh, that's a nice group of five. It's a little quaint quintet. And I, uh, is that the one with the big red ginger going to be on? Yep. Little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> There's going to be a redheaded person on next week's episode. Now, you might not know this, but Dominic is redheaded. Oh. So, ooh. who knows? It might be him. It might be another redhead. It might be Bozo the Clown. Yeah. Or some other daywalker. <laughs> You'll find out next week on Shuffle. Next week on <laughs> Shuffle, we'll find out who is the big red ginger. Stay tuned. And. Yeah, I, I was going to try to add something to that, but I had nothing. So, okay. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, John, for joining us yet again. Of course. You're always welcome I'll, back. And I'll be back again sometime soon. Soon. Sooner than last time. Yeah. 
maybe by like episode 72 or something like that. 72 probably or wait what was it an 11 episode gap so i'll be come back in 11 episodes okay 11 yep. episodes i'll be every 11 episodes every from 11th now. episode is john's yep. episode so 31 31 i'll be back no we could probably do some i think i'm for sure there's going to be something sooner with a genre specific one coming up in the not oh. too distant future well you have to tell me about that because you haven't talked to me well, it's something you requested. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Now I know what you're talking okay. about. So that's <laughs> coming soon. But other than that, I hope you all have a good week, and thank you for listening. Bye. Goodbye, everyone.